All right. <clears throat> good morning, everyone, or good afternoon. I want to start off by sharing a story uh, from Mark chapter 9. Uh, at this point, Jesus, he's been with the disciples for about two years now, and he's taught them, uh, he's shown them the, what the gospel is all about. He's led by example, he's exercised demons and healed people, brought people back from the dead. And now, in Mark chapter 9, he sends them off. He says, all right, now you guys go out and do the work of the kingdom. And so they go out. And they're going and teaching and preaching and exercising demons and healing people. And it's going really well until they come to Mark chapter 9. You see, there's this boy, a little boy, maybe five years old. The father says that he's had this evil spirit, this unclean spirit in him ever since he was a small child. And every time the spirit would move in him, it would f cause him to foam at his mouth and clench his teeth and be rigid. And he would move and move and it caused him to almost drown one time and almost be burned to death. And the father is in anguish and he comes to the disciples and asks, can you remove and rebuke this unclean spirit. And so the disciples come. John comes, James comes, Peter, they all come. And they try to rebuke the spirit. They say, you unclean spirit, I rebuke you. In Jesus' name, I exercise you, or whatever they said. And one by one, what they realize is that this unclean spirit is not going away. It's staying there that it's in the child, and the child now looks worse than before. And now the crowds are gathering, and there's a commotion that's building up, and they're like, what's going on? And Jesus comes, and the father explains what's going on. My son has been going through this. He has an unclean spirit. He's, he's in danger of himself, and your disciples couldn't exercise the demon. And so Jesus comes up to the child, and he prays, and he rebukes the unclean spirit says in Mark 9. And the unclean spirit leaves. Now that night, the disciples privately come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, we did all this great ministry and we saw this unclean uh, spirit that was in the child and we tried to rebuke him, but the spirit, we couldn't rebuke the spirit. It wouldn't leave. How come? How are you able to do it? And Jesus tells them, verse 9, or chapter 9, verse 29, he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And in that moment, these disciples have a glimpse of the power of prayer. You know, for all of us here who live in this world, we understand how the way, how the, way the world works, right? How things operate. You know, if you want to buy something, if you're hungry, you need cash. You know, if you have a lot of power, you have influence, and you can influence people to do things for you. If you have a lot of connections, and if you know people, you can get access to things that you need. You, we understand in this, in this world, we know how things run. We know if you have money, if you have access, if you have influence, if you have power, you have a lot, you, you've made it, right? You have a lot of power in that way. That's just how the way in this life works. But what Jesus is teaching them here 
through this, this teaching moment of exercising this demon is that in my kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, there is something that is more powerful than money, something more powerful than influence and connections and all these things that this world values. He says that prayer is powerful. And he gives them this illustration. And in Luke 11, with the passage that we're at, the disciples, now fast forward a few months later, and the disciples see Jesus praying. And they're like, that's where the power is. And so they go up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, verse 1 in chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He's asking, teach us how to pray. We've seen the power that comes from prayer, and we want to learn how to pray as you pray. And I think this is a word that's not just important for the disciples, but also for us as well, as followers, as Christians, as believers of Jesus Christ. How can we have a prayer life that is thriving and fruitful and powerful? One that when you pray, you are confident to know that Jesus Christ will hear you and he will answer you. And this is what the disciples are asking, and this is what Jesus teaches here in our passage. He says, if you want a thriving, flourishing prayer life, one that where you pray and you hear and you know and you can be confident that God's going to answer, this is how you do it. And he shares this parable. And the parable is of a man who visits his neighbor. And he visits his neighbor at midnight, Scripture says, and he starts knocking and beating on the door. Until finally, the neighbor comes out. He's like, hey, what's going on? Why, why are you being so rude and obnoxious? If you understand Palestinian culture back then, all the families usually just slept in one room. So if you're trying to wake up this, this dad, then you're waking up the whole family. You're basically saying, it's okay to wake up this entire family because of my need, right? And so he's knocking on the door. He wakes him up. The, the father comes out and says, hey, what's going on? He says, I had a friend that came from a far off place and he, he's visiting us and I need to provide for him. Uh, can you lend me three loaves of bread? Now, to understand this part of the culture, for someone to come from a distance and to come into your place, it was uh, the Palestinian hospitality culture dictated that you bring them in, that you house them, that you feed them, and you take care of them. It was essential because at a point it was a matter of life and death. Because there were no Airbnbs around, there were no hotels to go to, there was no food that you can go late night to Denny's at 24 hours. You were solely reliant on the person to show you hospitality and to bring you in. And so, so much so that in that culture, if you didn't, you were shamed, you were looked down on and frowned upon by the city. And so he's welcoming this family, but he has nothing, no food ready because typically you have uh, food made for just that day if you're, if you're poor. And so he goes to this guy and says, hey, I know you have some loaves. I need a few loaves of bread. And this guy, he's all tired. He's kind of annoyed because as for those of you who have young kids, you know, it's really hard to put your child to bed. And all of a sudden, when you start hearing someone obnoxiously knocking on your door and waking up your kid, it's very annoying. And yet, 
Jesus here says that it's not because they're friends. It's not, Jesus, he says the neighbor is not going to give them the loaves of bread because they're friends, but because of this one other reason. We see it in verse 8. He says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. It's not because they're close friends. It's not like, okay, you're my homie, I'll hook you up. It's because of this impudence. Now, what does this mean to pray with impudence? What, What is Jesus saying when he's calling you and I to pray with impudence? Now, impudence... If we were to literally translate it, it means to pray with a persistent, shameless boldness. To be persistent, to never give up, to be shameless, to not be afraid and just say, hey, I'm going to go out and do it, even though if it's embarrassing, and to be bold, just to declare it. Now, when I think of this, this term impudence and this persistent, shameless boldness, I think about my parents, right? Now, my parents, they have the typical immigrant story, right? Uh, 2016 actually was their 30-year anniversary of when they came, from the sta- came to the States in 86. And, you know, typical immigrant story. They had no money to their name. They had, uh, you know, they couldn't speak a lick of English or whatever it was. And they had a shoe repair store. And I remember, no, actually, I don't remember, but I remember them recalling the story to me because I was probably four years old. I was too young to remember. But all I wanted during that time was a Happy Meal. All I would ask for in their tone, they would say, Happy Meal, like that's all you'd want, right? You just wanted these toys or whatever it was. And so, you know, my dad would typically get, get that for me. But one day, we're driving and... You know, the drive through was too packed and there was no parking, so my dad said, here's some money to my mom and just go get it, right? Go get it for my, go, go get it for our son. And so she runs out, she's waiting in line, finally it's her turn to order. And she knows less English than my dad. And the cashier is like, okay, hey, welcome to McDonald's, what can I get you? And she knows nothing. All she knows is to say, happy meal, right? That's it. And the cashier, you know, I don't know exactly what he said, but he probably said something like, you know, do you want chicken nuggets or ha- a hamburger or do you want uh, super size or do you want uh, to go or for here? Whatever it is. My mom had no clue. Just look at him, looking at him blankly like, happy meal, right? That's it. That's all she knows. And so this goes back and forth and she's just saying happy meal, happy meal, happy meal, happy meal. And I think about that situation, right? And I, and I feel really loved and I think about a situation, it's like, she knows that he's saying something that she doesn't understand. And she's embarrassed. But she's still standing there saying, hey, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm going to get this Happy Meal. And I'm going to be bold, I'm going to be persistent until you give me this Happy Meal. And you think about it, it's kind of embarrassing. You know, people, people probably started watch, looking and whatever it was, but it's this persistent shameless boldness, and he says to pray with that type of fervor. For all of us, when we come to God to be persistent, to never give up, to never lose heart, to be shameless, to be like a young child that goes to God and asks for anything and everything, and to be bold, and to come before him. And what we see in the following verses is that there's this uh, ascending intensity, right? It says, not only just to ask, 
but to seek and then to knock, right? To ask is, is polite, right? May I have something? And then you go to seek. It's a little intrusive, but okay. And then when you start getting to knocking, that's a little obnoxious, right? But he says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. It's ascending. It's, in, it's ascending in its intensity to keep going after and seeking after God. Knocking, asking the door to be open. The example that I have for this is, uh, well, we had our LA community groups meet a few weeks ago for our Thanksgiving dinner, and we met at the Grove. And we were sitting at the farmer's market area, it's an open area, and we were just waiting for everyone to come in. And one of our brothers, he was just sitting there, and you know those kiosks where they sell like, you know, laptop cases and lotion or whatnot? There was a kiosk right next to us, and there's a lady that came by, and she asked. She said, hey, do you guys want to try a free sample? Now, I, I've been suckered into this kind of stuff before. And I know that a free sample of lotion does not just mean a free sample of lotion, right? So I just say, no, no, I'm okay. And my friend, the one next to me, he goes, oh, what is it? I say, oh, it's game over, right? <laughs> she says, okay, come over here, let me show you. So he gets up, she, you know, she asked already, right? And then she starts seeking. She says, okay, what do you like? What do you need? What kind of, what's your morning routine for your face or whatever it is? And he starts answering. And then she starts to be a little more pushy. She starts knocking. She says, hey, you should buy this. You need this. You should get this. And what do I see? Five minutes later, he's holding a bag <laughs> with a $70 facial scrub that I asked him last week, and he's like, no, I haven't used it at all yet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he got sucker. But she was a good salesman. She asked, she sought, and she knocked and knocked and knocked until that door was open. What Jesus is getting at is that we need to have this persistent boldness to pursue after God, to be unafraid, whether it's in front of anyone else, to say, hey, I'm praying to God, and he's going to answer. I'm going to pursue him. And this is the type of heart that Jesus says, hey, this is how you have a thriving, fruitful prayer life, where you hear God, and you know and you're confident that God will answer. Well, a lot of us, at one point in our lives, I think we might have had that fervor, right? Maybe we had this persistent, uh, shameless, bold prayer, prayer life. But we were just pursuing God. But at a certain point of our lives, uh, maybe we felt like God stopped answering. Or God just wouldn't answer the prayer request that we really wanted God to answer. Maybe we felt like we got too busy. Uh, or it was just too much work to put in to pray and ask God for these things. Or maybe it was the sin of self-sufficiency, something that I think we all struggle with. Because we know how this world operates. And we know, hey, if God's not going to provide what I need right now, I know what I need to do to provide for myself. I know how many hours I need to put in. I know who I need to talk to to get what I need. I, I know how this world operates. And so I'm going to take it upon myself to be self-reliant, to be self-sufficient. And I'm going to pursue these things for myself. 
I don't need God to help me in these things. All I need God to help me with is to be my safety net. You know, as I'm on this safe, as I'm on this tightrope, trying to walk this life, trying to do well for myself, I'll take care of it, God. But if I fall, God, my prayer is that you protect me. God, my prayer is that you be there for me. And you notice, oftentimes, the, the time when we pray the most, when we have this persistent, shameless, bold, bold, emboldened prayer is when we're struggling, right? When we're in the bottom of the pit, when we're having the hardest time, that's when we're desperate, and that's when we pray. And in all those things, what Jesus tells us, I hope in this next part, it strengthens your faith. I hope that for those of you who have been jaded, who feel like God has not been answering my prayer requests, you know, he takes too long to answer my prayer requests, I need to do it on my time. My hope and my prayer is that this section right here will encourage you to strengthen your faith, to be like, I want to pursue God again. I want to pursue him in prayer. I want to be persistent. I want to be bold. I want to be shameless in what I request of God. Because there is a guarantee here that God hears our prayers and that he gives us good gifts. And the promise is found in the following verses in the description of God that he is our father, right? In verse 11 through 13. What father among you, if he, his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, then know, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Right? He gives an analogy. He says, you fathers here, you, know, you guys are subpar. I, I don't think so. You guys are great. But the scripture says, you guys, fathers, you guys are subpar fathers. You guys are evil, right? But he says, even if you guys know how to give good gifts to your children, and you want to give good gifts to your children, like who in the right mind, what father wants to give their children a bad gift, right? Even, I'm not even a father, but I know that if you give a scorpion or a serpent to your kid, that's bad news, right? I know that if a kid asks for, you know, baby food and you give them mayo, that's messed up, right? If they're asking for water, you give them vinegar, that's messed up. I know that, right? But he says, if we even know that and we know how to give decently good gifts to our children and we want to give good gifts to our children, how much more so God, our Heavenly Father, who has all the resources. You know, he sustains us. He has created us. He knows all the physical materials that he needs to create, all the things that we need and want. And not only that, he's proven that he's willing to do it, right? In Romans 8, 32, he says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He says, if he even gave us his most precious son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, how much more so will he give us all the lesser things? How, how much more will he give us, graciously give us all of these other gifts? He is our father. He knows what you want. and He wants to give it to you, and he can give it to you. My hope is that that really strengthens your faith as you pray, as you ask to say, hey, I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to pray hard, persistent, shameless, bold. Because I know 
that God will hear my prayers. I know that God will answer. But at the same time, we need to be true to Scripture here. Because the reality is that this passage doesn't say that God will give all gifts to his children, right? He says he's going to give good gifts to his children. Great gifts, wonderful gifts to his children. Not all gifts, not all things that we ask for. He says he's going to give us the best, the good gifts. What are those good gifts? It's very clear if we look at verse 13. He parallels good gifts with another item here, okay? Look at verse 13. It says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Do you guys see that? Do you guys see those, the parallel there? He says, If you fathers know how to give good gifts, imagine the Heavenly Father who knows how to give the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit he's comparing as a good gift It's the good gift that he's giving to each and every one of us. That when we pray fervently, persistently, boldly, and without shame, that he will give us the great gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you might be like, dang it, I knew it. I knew it was some kind of spiritual gift. You know, some of you guys were hoping that it would be like money or a new car or a new house or whatever it is. But no, he's saying, I will give you the best gift the gift of the Holy Spirit. And let me share a little bit about why the gift of the Holy Spirit is what we need and why this is the best gift. There's two aspects of the Holy Spirit that I think is very important for us. The first is that the Holy Spirit is a deposit that guarantees our entrance into heaven. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is given to you, is imparted to you by Jesus Christ, and it says it is the guarantee of our inheritance. You know, Jesus Christ, he was with his disciples, and he says, you know, I'm going to leave, but when I leave, I'm going to impart to you the Holy Spirit. He is going to be the sign and seal, this deposit, that when I come back, it guarantees your inheritance. Look at chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21-22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, and who has also put a seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Do you see that? For all of us who profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, who believe that He has died on the cross for our sins, Jesus Christ has given us the Holy Spirit as a sign, as a guarantee that no matter what goes on in this life, that He will return for us. That as long as we have the Holy Spirit and He comes, He says, you're my son, you're my daughter. That no matter how far we fall away, no matter how far we fail and sin, and no matter how far we feel like God is distant from us, that when He returns, we can have the guarantee of the inheritance because we have the seal of the Holy Spirit in us. That is great news. That means that we can have the assurance that there is no more fear to be had, that there is no more confusion, that there is no more guilt, that there is no more uh, uncertainty in your life 
because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And not only that, when Jesus Christ was with the disciples and when he ascended into heaven, he says, don't worry. You know, disciples were really afraid because this is the first time that they were going to be alone without Jesus. And he says, Jesus says, when I leave, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he will be your counselor. He will be your guide, right? In John chapter 14 and 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit dwells in each and every one of us. And maybe sometimes you feel like the Holy Spirit does not because of your life circumstance. But Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is a promise. It's a guarantee that he's placed it in us so that we could have assurance of our salvation. So that in this life, he would be our helper, our comforter, our strategist, our support. Everything that we need, the Holy Spirit will walk with us. That we only need to pray Pursue and seek and ask and knock to receive the leading of the Holy Spirit. What we understand is that the Holy Spirit not only grants us entrance, the guarantee that we're entering into the kingdom of heaven, but it, the Holy Spirit teaches us in this life, in the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the earth, the way the world operates, he says, the Holy Spirit's going to teach you how to live according to the kingdom of heaven on this earth. Because that's what we're about, right? As believers, we are now not of this world, but we are citizens of heaven. And the Holy Spirit will now instruct us and guide us and teach us how to live as citizens of heaven. And so my hope and my prayer is that we would see how precious this gift is that we would pursue the Holy Spirit, that we would pursue the Lord in persistent prayer, in shameless prayer, in being bold before God to declare the things that are on your heart. I encourage you guys, even today, after service, just to pray, to seek after the Lord and to pursue Him in persistent, shameless, bold prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this amazing gift that you've given us. That not only have you granted us access into your heavenly kingdom, into your family, to receive an inheritance that is richer than gold and silver and anything in this world. You've given us access to you given us the ability to pray to you and to hear from you. And by your grace, you've promised that you will answer, that you will hear, and you'll provide, Lord. And God, who are we 
as sinners that deserve such a wonderful gift. So Father, I pray for all of us here that you would strengthen our faith for those of us who have been struggling in our prayer life, who have struggled in our faith, really trusting that you, you hear or that you provide, or even trusting in ourselves to provide. Lord, we ask today that you would strengthen our faith. Help us to see how you move directly through these prayers that we pray, that you long to hear uh, our prayers. So Lord, be with us here and guide us through your Holy Spirit. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name pray. At this time...